focus on headline. All right, kind of take a like, take a listen to uh, some of the major issues uh, delving into some of the headlines, making uh, I guess a spotlight today for this. All the latest in focus on headline. We have our reporters in Cheji He and Kim Minji. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. Of course, the big news in the past few weeks, but especially uh, the past a few days now, uh, is the ongoing collective action from the trainee doctors. It does seem a vacuum within the medical system is becoming all the more a reality right now as we are seeing the resignations from the big five hospitals in Seoul. Uh, the trainee doctors, some more than uh, 1,600 trainee doctors leaving their post in protest of the government's expansion of the medical school quota. Uh, South Korea's second vice health minister, Pang min Su speaking to reporters about the walkout uh, by the thousands of the country's trainee doctors this morning. Ji, you're going to start us off. Uh, what's the latest details on this? Right. So according to the health ministry figures, almost 6,500 doctors submitted their resignations, which is nearly half the junior workforce, uh, with 1,600 walking off the job. Now, hospitals in the country turned away some patients and delayed surgeries even on Tuesday as hundreds of trainee doctors stopped working in a protest against medical training reforms. Now, according to the health ministry, some 831 people were ordered to return to work. And as of 11 p.m. Uh, yesterday, the 19th, after investigating some 100 hospitals, 55% uh, of these trainees, which is about 6,000 415 submitted their resignations, and this was reported by the health ministry earlier today. And also, as of 6 p.m. on the 19th, there were 25 cases of canceled surgeries, four cases of canceled medical appointments, three cases of medical refusal, and two cases of delayed hospitalization. Now, in one of these cases, a parent had taken a leave of absence from work for their child's surgery scheduled a year in advance, but the hospitalization was suddenly delayed. Now, the government has ordered the doctors back to work, and police have warned of arrests for instigators of the work stoppages as South Korean law limits the ability of medical staff to strike. And Second Vice Health Minister Pang Min-su expressed deep concern and regret over the trainee doctors' collective actions, which have resulted in cancellations, once again, of surgeries and disruptions in medical services. And he explained that the government's top priority is maintaining medical emergency services and treatment for serious cases at major hospitals and avoiding situations in which patients with serious conditions are prevented from accessing treatment. Now, Vice Minister Park said the government's reform plan was necessary given Korea's rapidly aging society, saying the anticipated the number of people over 65 would have grown 70% by 2035, driving increased demands on hospitals. Now, you talked about the 25 cases of these canceled surgeries. Now, mind you, this is only based on the figures that they got uh, from the Doctors Group Action Damage Reporting and Support Center. Uh, there is a call center that people have been calling in and trying to ask what to do now that their surgery has been canceled. What are some of the other things, other options? And I believe there was something like 30 somewhat different calls. And of those, 25 were regarding the cancellation of operation. But from what I understand, there has been much more 
than 25 operations being canceled. That figure is only based on the calls that they got and people asking, what do we do now uh, is what it is. And one of the things that uh, Vice Minister, uh, Second Vice Health Minister Peng Min Su said was, uh, instead of for all the trainee doctors, instead of going out there trying to law, uh, learn law to avoid legal punishments, why don't you use your uh, skills that you learned in the medical field to save people's lives? And the reason why I point this out is because if the South Korean law limits the ability of medical staffs to strike, now uh, there is a difference between a strike and a collective action. A strike basically meaning we're refusing to work, we're still under the hospital, we're just not going to work. Now they can't do this, which is why uh, you're seeing the trainee doctors hand in their resignation letter, basically saying we quit, so technically we are not part mm -hmm. of this hospital. This is not a strike, it's a collective action, and we're, you can't stop us from quitting our jobs is what it is. But let's go over the opposing arguments once again because again the government has mm -hmm. their arguments the medical community has their arguments but also the public sentiment mm -hmm. regarding this ongoing issue has been quite interesting gee you have more on this right so we all know i mean it's a well-established fact that south korea has one of the lowest doctor to population ratios among the oecd nations it's the second lowest in fact after mexico and so to address this issue the government is making efforts to increase the number of physicians in the country country. However, many doctors are opposing this plan to significantly increase uh, the admissions of med medical schools. And despite being on the front line and having a better understanding of the doctor shortage issue, they believe that the plan will lead to reduction in their salaries as well as their social status, and ultimately resulting in a decline in the quality of service provided. Uh, however, the plan is popular with the public, who experts suggest are tired of long wait times at hospitals, with a recent Korean Gallup poll showing over 74% of respondents are in favor, regardless of political affiliation. And however, the Korean Medical Association has criticized the government's threats of legal action against those who oppose the plan. They claim that such actions are reminiscent of a witch hunt and suggest that the plan would create a medical system similar to that of Cuba, which they refer to as a socialist medical system. So there is a reason why this is not by it's, it's a bipartisan, technically a bipartisan agreement that there should be an increase in uh, medical school admissions quota because during the previous Moon administration, this was something that the uh, then ruling Democratic Party had pushed for. And even then, there, I believe the increase in quota was only 400. And even with that, the doctors had threatened to strike, which mm -hmm. then forced uh, the ruling party and the government at the time under the Moon administration to kind of pull back on their plans to increase their quota. And now the ruling People Power Party, uh, under this ruling party, they've decided to increase it by 2000. And it seems that for in, in this rare case that both parties are in agreement, including the people themselves, like you said, but the doctors are also saying that there is no real shortage. And the reason why there is a long wait in hospitals and things like that is because many doctors feel like they're not getting paid enough in these emergency care services and that they're moving to places where there's more work-life balances, nine to six jobs, still with the medical licenses, that being all the plastic surgery, surgeon, uh, surgery hospitals. Uh, and they're moving all towards that because there's more money in it. So they're calling for money and that of course leads so many people saying that doctors are being greedy here back and forth here more on the story uh on this uh i guess a uh, continuous uh, clash uh, between the government and the medical system uh 
team, uh, group here, the government's firm stance against this collective action of doctors and training, uh, certainly escalating tensions. No signs of scaling back, despite all the different warnings that you got from the health ministry here. At the heart of the dispute is the government's decision again to expand the medical school admissions quota, a move that is now being met again, as we mentioned, strong opposition from the medical community. So we'll take their side this time. Minju, you have more on it. Sure. So the Ministry of Health and Welfare has taken unprecedented action against the Korea's Medical Association's executive board members. Kim Tae-woo, chairman of the Korean Medical Association's Emergency Committee, and Park Myung-ha, president of the Seoul Medical Association, received an advance notice of the administration's suspension of their medical licenses. Now, this is in response to what the government describes as a violation of its order to ban collective actions. Now, in a move that has widened the rift, the Welfare Ministry issued a stay-at-work order to doctors at all 221 training hospitals nationwide. Now, this directive requires all doctors to stay in their posts, pushing beyond previous orders that mainly focused on maintaining essential medical services. So the government's message is very clear. It seeks to ensure that doctors can pursue their profession under better conditions free from overwork. Nonetheless, it also warned that doctors abandoning their duties will face serious consequences, such as suspension of medical licenses and possible legal charges. In response to the collective action, Prime Minister Han Dok-su chaired a meeting of ministers to discuss the situation, and the government has also established a doctor's uh, group action damage response and support center in collaboration with the Korea Legal Aid Corporation and this is to support the affected patients. The National Chief, Police Chief Yoon Hee-gun has stated that law enforcement will swiftly investigate the reported cases of medical collective action with arrest warrants issued for those found in clear violation of the law. Amidst the standoff, there is a glimmer of hope for dialogue. Now, both sides of the medical school expansion debate are set to appear on NBC's Pekpun Toron, or the 100-minute debate tonight, which will likely to offer a platform for discussion on this critical issue. The controversy has also mobilized civil society with the Citizens Coalition for Economic Justice planning to file a complaint against participating doctors and the Korean Health and Medical Workers Union organizing a national candlelight visual to condemn the collective action. Now, as the debate intensifies, the nation watches closely and we do hope that a resolution that balances the need for the medical community with the public's right to health care. Again, there's uh, clearly interesting arguments from both sides here. Uh, but the most important thing it seems like is what the public sentiment is going to be. And it's usually the public sentiment that really changes uh, this clash between the government and uh, whatever union or you know association that's on strike or on a collective action. Because if you remember the truckers uh, strike not too long ago, the public sentiment towards the truckers was not so good. And they were actually very much for the, uh, the government's move uh, in taking their side, which is why once the uh, trucker side basically said, you know what, they, they called off their bluff and ended their strike. Uh, that's when I believe the ruling party and the unit administration's uh, approval rating skyrocketed. And right now, more people, again, the public sentiment is towards the increase in the quota for the medical emissions quota. But 
you have to understand what the interns and residents are then thinking. Uh, we had to go through all the old system. It was so hard for it to get uh, get us through the medical schools. And now you're making it easier, which is why you're also seeing the medical students. Uh, I believe uh, 1,100 medical students from seven different medical schools also applying for a leave of absence in response to this. Well, nevertheless, regarding the government's warning that the doctors abandoning their duties will face serious consequences, including the suspension of their medical license and, again, uh, possible legal charges, some medical trainees have already begun preparing for legal action. Uh, Jihi, let's get more on this. Sure. So after the government issued the treatment maintenance order to doctors who resigned in protest against the expansion of medical schools and announced a strict investigation policy, some doctors began preparing for a legal response. Now, the emergency committee of the Seoul National University Hospital and Pundang Seoul National University Hospital's resident doctors council said that the doc doctors decided to seek legal services from an affiliated law firm with the help of the doctor's organization uh, called the doctor's thinking of the future this is a literal translation mm -hmm. of the title and the committee said um, they have hired a defense team in case the doctors are unfairly accused, adding that the cost of the lawyers will be covered by the sponsorship of senior and fellow doctors. Now, the Korean Medical Association also said at an emergency committee meeting on the 17th that it would provide full support for doctors who plan to resign to receive legal counseling. And also on the same day, the government sent notices of uh, administrative disposition to suspend a doctor's license, not only to the doctors, but also to Kim Tae-woo, uh, the chairman of the KMA, Emergency Countermeasures Committee, for instigating the collective action. Now, the Medical Association vowed to fight the government's legal action, saying it would contact a large law, law firm for legal aid for its members. Yeah, and this is when the vice uh, minister of uh, Ministry of Health and Welfare, Pang Min Su, came out basically saying, why don't you take this time to stop learning about uh, you know, law and uh, just uh, use your medical knowledge to help people uh, save lives. And this is what they're doing right now. They're trying to look at the legal aspects. And, and, and again, is there a loop? Poll, right? I mean, they, they think the medical group thinks that they have a loophole by not striking and quitting and resigning uh, that they are fully uh, out of the legal, I guess, uh, boundaries and they're not going to be charged with anything. But one interesting thing that came out, I believe, is the fact that despite usually when you want to quit, right, that you hand in your resignation letter and then the company has to basically accept it. Uh, and they could basically go, no, we don't accept it, and after they have to go back and forth. Uh, apparently, all the hospitals that received the resignation letters have not accepted uh, the resignation letters, and so it's not official, uh, yet they've walked out, and maybe that's the legal uh, tense that uh, the, the government is looking at right now. Uh, but also, an estimated 20,000 medical students nationwide are facing a pivotal decision as the this, uh, government's, again, plan to increase medical school seats by 2,000 uh, has sparked another collective action within the medical students. Aminji, let's get more on this. Sure. So the heart of the controversy lies in the government's proposal, as we have been um, covering, uh, which has ignited a debate among medical students as well. So some argue that the collective action is necessary to block the expansion, citing the close-knit nature of medical school communities as a pressure point for participation. However, not all students are in agreement. Voices of dissent emerge, pointing out concerns over the effectiveness of such actions and the potential repercussions 
repercussions of participating in a boycott. So the case at Wonggwang University serves as a telling example where over 30% of the student body initially joined the collective leave of absence only to retract their decision after discussions with faculty. Now, in a bid to address this crisis, representatives from 35 of the nation's 40 medical universities convened for these urgent and emergency meetings. Responding to the potential upheaval, the Ministry of Education has activated an emergency response urging medical schools to enforce strict academic management. A task force has been established to monitor the situation and ensure compliance with academic regulations. The ministry has made it clear that Alliance leave does not meet the standard requirements for a leave of absence, emphasizing the necessity of adherence to procedures. For example, if you need to, if you want to take a, a leave of absence, you need to get consent from the department chair and the parents. Uh, despite these measures, the threat of a class boycott looms large, with students at Chungbuk National University and Gongguk University's global campus signaling their intent to abstain from attending classes, leading to disruptions and the postponement of academic schedules. Now, this is not the first time medical students have taken a stand. In 2020, a 38-day class boycott took place over similar concerns affecting academic calendars. At the time, medical schools had to reduce the number of vacation days and have students take exams on the weekends to complete the curriculum. The concerning thing with this latest uh, collective action is that in previous strikes and protests and collective actions from different unions, um, it, it didn't really affect the people as much. Uh, this collective action is going to really affect many people out there, patients. And although, like we said, only the call center received 25 different cancellations of surgeries, but we're looking at many, many more. And I've already hearing of people around me who had to cancel different uh, medical procedures because of this. And uh, it doesn't seem like despite, we're, we're looking at really, really big warnings coming from the government right now, but the medical community is not backing away. And so we'll have to see how much longer this goes. We're gonna move on to another major issue. Again, 50 days until the 22nd General Assembly, uh, sorry, General Elections taking place in April 10th. Uh, we talked about uh, these uh, new parties forming and these parties combining together to form a super team. Well, this one didn't really last that long. Uh, former Prime Minister and uh, former uh, Democratic Party Chairman Ina Gyan announcing on Tuesday that uh, he's going to be leaving the Reform Party, stepping down from his position as his co-chairman uh, amid the growing tensions with the former PPP uh, Chairman uh, Yijun Saka. Ji, let's get the latest on this. Sure. So the announcement comes uh, merely 11 days after the ex-Prime Minister and his political party, the New Future Party, merged with the Reform Party, which was launched last month by the former ruling party leader Yijun Sok. Now, Lee said in a press conference, Yina Gyeon, that is, that he plans to return to the New Future Party and reorganize the party to prepare for the upcoming election scheduled for a April 10th. Now, he apologized to his supporters, saying that a poor merger decision led to a shameful outcome. 
the uh, former prime minister cited the Reform Party leadership's decision during an intra-party meeting on Monday to designate Lee Jun-seok as the chair of its election committee, making him the party's de facto leader. Uh, however, Lee nak and Kim Jong-min, the co-chairs of the New Future Party and uh, now ex-members of the six-member Reform Party leadership committee, had boycotted the vote about whether to make Lee Jun-seok the election committee chair. However, the other four leadership committee members had reportedly decided to elect the ex-ruling party chair as the de facto leader ahead of the vote. Now, following the vote, Lee nak denounced the decision as a move by the ex-ruling party head to, quote-unquote, privatize the party through a statement made by his spokesperson. Uh, and Inagyeon said the agreement among the coalition members had collapsed and the agenda to hand the sole authority to make election-related decisions to only one of the co-chairs was passed forcefully and thus the spirit of democracy was damaged. Uh, meanwhile, Lee Jun-seok expressed regret over his failed partnership with the former prime minister and said the Reform Party will continue to focus on its tasks ahead of the election. Now, I, I think a lot of people saw this, right? There was always going to be this conflict. I mean, we're talking about two former chairmen of two rival parties, one with a very progressive idea, one with a very conservative idea, and two who have also presidential ambitions. And so, I, you know... And also the fact that, uh, I mean, we're look, talking about the new reform, but they're all going to be under the new reform party. And this is a party that was initially created by Lee Jun-suk. I think the consensus was everyone was going to sort of go under Lee Jun-suk. I think Lee nak was basically saying, well, I have more experience uh, in politics and therefore I should lead the way here. Lee Jun-suk basically, goes, no, you know, that's not going to happen. We voted on it. Clash was about to happen. Uh, we'll see how this is going to ultimately impact uh, Lee nak as he goes back to his uh, new future party there. Uh, also, a Democratic Party of Korea floor leader, Hong Ik-pyo, launching a scathing critique of the Yoon administration, uh, marking two years of what he described as democratic retreat and economic turmoil. Uh, Minji, let's get more on this. Sure. So, in an address to the National Assembly's organizations, Hong Sung-pyo, uh, Hong Ik, I'm sorry, Hong Ik-pyo, lamented the decline in national character and the absence of the fairness and common sense promised by President Yoon Suk-yeol. He criticized the current administration for fostering a political climate dominated by arrogance, extreme confrontation, and divisiveness. So Hong did not shy away from acknowledging his own party shortcomings as well. He apologized for failing to meet people's expectations and support. And despite this, he positioned the Democratic Party as the sole alternative capable of navigating the country through its crises. He expressed concerns over extreme polarization in politics, condemning the suppression of dissent, their raids, and retaliatory rhetoric. He recounted the disturbing incident of a parliament member being forcefully removed for speaking out, emphasizing the lack of response or apology from the president. Hong Yipyo's speech extended beyond criticism and he offered a vision for political cooperation and innovation. He questioned the current economic and diplomatic prowess of the conservatives, urging a return to the collaborative and forward-thinking policies of the past conservative governments. All right, so let's talk about some of uh, floor leader Hong Yipyo's proposals. 
Sure. So Hong Ikpyo actually made several proposals. He advocated for a fair economic order, emphasizing the importance of housing, healthcare, education, minimum wage, and reduced working hours as well. He called for joint efforts to bolster the country's AI and cloud infrastructure and to prepare a Korean version of the Inflation Reduction Act to support the local companies. He stressed the urgency of restoring the renewable energy industry ecosystem and achieving 100% renewable energy usage. He highlighted the critical need for cooperative measures to address low birth rate crisis, advocating for respect and implementation of mutually agreed solutions. As the political landscape continues to evolve, Hong's remarks underscore the deep division and the potential for bipartisan cooperation in addressing the nation's challenges. I, I mean, right now, uh, the, the, the main opposition Democratic Party is not doing too well uh, with this approval ratings right now. And you can tell and tell uh, from even amongst the uh, progressive voters because there's so much rift within the party in itself to the point where, again, a, a former uh, former prime minister and a former chairman of the Democratic Party leaving the party. We also had a number of other uh, DP leaders, uh, sorry, DP uh, lawmakers leaving the party. And there's even still, they're saying, uh, quite a bit of rift within still the remaining lawmakers within the Democratic Party going into uh, the general elections, which is why if you look at the approval rating, I believe now it went from the DP having a slight edge uh, in the approval rating over the PPP to now the PPP having quite a significant uh, edge over the Democratic Party uh, when it comes to the approval rating. And so things have shifted a lot uh, leading up to the April general elections. And then you have the Green Justice Party, uh, formerly known as Just the Justice Party. Uh, they elected four-term lawmaker Shim Sang-jung, who is, of course, uh, one of their uh, former presidential candidates for the Justice Party as well as its new leader earlier today. Ji, let's get the details of this. Sure. So the Green Justice Party held a parliamentary congress at the National Assembly earlier today and elected four-term lawmaker uh, Shim Sang-jung as its new leader. And Representative Chang Hae-young will serve as deputy leader and Mi will serve as the spokesperson. And upon being uh, elected, Shim said she will support the party's victory in the general election with the attitude of a saintly person, uh, adding she will establish the Green Justice Party's reason for existence as a clear opposition party against the regression of the Yoon Suk-yeol regime, which is the number one place for people's livelihood uh, politics. She went on to say that the party is in a lot of trouble right now, mainly because the parliamentary group has not been able to meet people's expectations fully, including with the defection of Representative Ryu Ho-jung and causing great disappointment to the supporters. She said the party will run the remaining three months like three years so that the party can be re-elected. And Shim, uh, who represents Koyang A of the Gyeonggi province, also served as the party's leader from 2013 to 2015. And she was the party's leader during the 2020 general election, which Ryu had won. And earlier, Pechingyo recently stepped down as the party's leader over opposition from some of the Green Justice Party leadership and some other lawmakers, saying responsible discussions on the Democratic Party-led uh, opposition election coalition were not being held properly. And he was absent from today's uh, parliamentary session. Yeah, the Justice Party has been around for some quite time now. And uh, again, the, the, going with this new name called the Green Justice Party, and uh, they're... Basically, the more progressive 
right? Uh, the more progressive of the, uh, the the minor parties out there. Of the three, we used to call it the three parties, right? You have the two major ones, and you have the third one, which has always been kind of the Justice Party, and they were more of the, uh, the, 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 the progressive side. But uh, uh, many of the pundits and also voters were saying that they've kind of shifted in a weird way here, and that they've also created uh, quite a bit of rift within this party. So... You're always going to see this in politics. Uh, some news from the legislative front today. The National Assembly's Legislation and Judiciary Committee reached a significant milestone in the confirmation process of uh, Justice, Justice Minister nominee Park Sung-jae. Uh, Minji, you have more on this. So in a full meeting held, this, uh, held today, the National Assembly's Legislation and Judiciary Committee voted by consensus to adopt a progress report on Park Sung-jae's confirmation hearing. This report contains both qualified and unqualified opinions, highlighting the divisive uh, perspectives among the committee members. The committee previously convened on February 15th for a personal hearing aimed at scrutinizing Park's ethical standards and qualifications for the role. Now, the session turned contentious as main opposition Democratic Party raised concerns over Park's post-prosecutorial earnings as a lawyer, suggesting special treatment for formal, former officials, while the ruling People Power Party countered defending Park's income as reasonable. This nomination comes at a critical time as the Justice Minister's position has remained vacant for nearly two months. The vacancy followed President Yoon Gare's decision to dismiss former minister Han Dong-hoon on December 21st of last year, which is a move that has since left the ministry in a state of anticipation for its new leadership. Let's move on here to some diplomacy news. Uh, what a uh, pleasant surprise. A South Korean plaintiff uh, who won a wartime labor case against a Japanese firm Hitachi Chosen Corporation received the money deposited by the firm at a Seoul court on Tuesday. Uh, this is the first case in which funds from a Japanese company has been transferred to a plaintiff following a trial related to the wartime forced labor issue. Chi, let's get more on this. Sure. So the family of a South Korean victim of Japan's wartime forced labor has received compensation from Hitachi Chosen Corp in compliance with a Supreme Court verdict. Now, this marks the first time a Japanese company has accepted such compensation. Uh, the family's lawyer stated that they withdrew 60 million won, which is about 44,830 U.S. dollars from the Seoul Central District Court, which was previously deposited by uh, this Japanese company as a collateral. And in December of last year, the Supreme Court upheld an appeals court's ruling that required a Japanese company, that's Hitachi, to pay 50 million won and delay interest for damages suffered by a victim named Lee. And Lee was subjected to forced labor at Hitachi's shipyard during Japan's colonial rule from 1910 to 1945. And Hitachi made the monetary deposit soon after the Seoul High Court made its decision to the same effect as the Supreme Court in January 2019. And this was the first and only case in which a Japanese company involved in wartime forced labor paid compensation to a South Korean court. And since then, Lee's side has completed the necessary procedures to receive the compensation deposit. Now, several South Korean victims of forced labor, along with their families, have successfully sued Japanese companies for damages. However, despite court orders, there have been no reports of any voluntary compensation payments from these companies. 
And last year, President Yoon Seok-yeol announced that South Korea would compensate the victims on its own without any contribution from the Japanese firms. However, the compensation payment, which included a deposit, was made during a period of improved bilateral relations between Seoul and Tokyo. Yeah, so it's good news that they were actually finally being able to be compensated by a Japanese firm, but uh, it's a little bit different because it wasn't kind of like Hitachi going, we're sorry, and here's your money, and this mm. is the compensation. But there was money that was deposited from some previous other case uh, that they were forced to withdraw and give to the the victim of forced labor here. But that's one step closer, though, and we're hoping that uh, more cases like this are resolved with the Japanese firm and the Japanese uh, government also paying out the compensation, uh, compensation to the victims. Uh, we're also going to be bringing light to light a development that has caught the attention of uh, many international observers in a uh, move to symbolize the strengthening ties between North Korea and Russia. We have Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly presenting North Korean leader Kim Jong-un with a Russian-made passenger car. And now this is not just any passenger car. It's a luxury limousine I looked at pictures here. Boy, it looks gorgeous. Uh, this is going to be raising eyebrows across the globe. Minji, let's get the latest on this. Sure. So the gift of uh, luxury vehicles was delivered to North Korean officials, including Workers' Party Secretary Park Chung-chan and Deputy Director Kim Yo-jong on February 18th. North Korea's state-run cent Korean Central News Agency, the KCNA, reported this event highlighting it as a most excellent gift that reflects the excellent relations between North Korea and Russia. Kim Yo-jong, quoting as Deputy Director, expressed profound gratitude towards President Putin, signaling a Deepening, deepening rapport between the two nations. Now, it's noteworthy that during a visit last year, Putin introduced Kim to Aurus, which is a luxury brand in Russia, often compared to the Rolls Royce of Russia. But it has not been confirmed whether the luxury vehicle Kim Jong received was an Aurus or not, but it is highly likely that it is Aurus. However, Putin's gift does not come without controversy. It is likely, uh, it likely contravenes that UN Security Council resolution against North Korea. Now, these sanctions, particularly under Resolution 2397 adopted in December 2017, prohibit the direct or indirect supply, sale, or transfer of luxury goods and transportation vehicles to North Korea, raising concerns and questions about the implications of this gesture. Now, in addition, a series of people-to-people -people exchanges between Pyongyang and Moscow is also unfolding across various sectors. On February 20th, KCNA reported a flurry of activity as delegations from North Korea's information and trade industry, fisheries, and sports sectors are set off for Russia to engage in wide range of collaborative efforts. So it's interesting. We, we've always known that there's uh, North Korea goes through whatever loopholes to try to bring in as many luxury goods uh, to Kim Jong. Like Kim Jong Un and his father has always had a taste for luxury goods, right? His, his dad, I think, loved uh, cognac. Uh, loved the foreign films and uh, Kim Jong-un absolutely loves cars. I think his big thing is like Mercedes-Benz, right? And mm -hmm. so how do these cars even come in through in the first place is the big question. There's always loopholes. So technically, Russia could have gifted Kim Jong-un with this fancy luxury limousine that looks like a Rolls-Royce secretly, and that would have been that. But the KCN effect that the KCNA reported on this excellent gift, right, uh, shows that now they're basically going, haha, 
This is the kind of ally that we have. We don't care if there's any UN Security Council resolutions against us. We're going to be playing by our own rules. This is Russia. This is North Korea. We are a team. And so basically, it's a message to the rest of the world that they could care less for the uh, the UN Security Council resolutions. And unfortunately, it really hasn't impacted uh, the North Korean government that much. It's really much uh, impacted the people uh, more than anything. Guys, as always, thank you very much for your reports. Have a safe one, and we'll see you guys again. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.